Siakam, dribble handoff from Kawhi Leonard. Rising up in the paint, and that's his first field goal of the game. And Leonard running it back. Good ball fake on Simmons. And Kawhi Leonard with his first three-pointer of the game. Ibaka on the break. Off the great dime from Lowers. Leonard. Boy. He made that look easy. Well, was he, he doing it? Does it in slow motion? See, we don't we don't have to use the slow mo camera. Yeah, he played most of the game in the paint. Now he's all over. This is the time of the year that he's been waiting for. Kawhi Leonard, like he's doing a drill out there. Leonard against Scott. Gets it out to Gasol. Got a clean look. Nice. And he knocks the game at 84. Mark Gasol coming alive at the right time. Embiid got picked off. Butler picked up Leonard. It didn't matter. Kawhi Leonard drills another jumper. Simmons pressing up on Leonard. Embiid switches. Fires a long one. Oh, Nothing but net. Kawhi not. Toronto Raptors will even this series at two apiece as the Raptors come back, bounce back with resilience in a robust way. South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. What a performance. We are lucky to have Kawhi Leonard as a Toronto Raptor. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. This is episode 121. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the overtime media crew. It's not of that too. And we're going to break it all down. Joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Raptors is Jordan Klingman of the 416 Basketball Podcast and Hashtag Basketball. Jordan, how's that Coke Zero doing, man? It's doing all right, you know. But I mainly just feel good that the Raptors have the best player in the league in Kawhi Leonard. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about him being as good or second best to KD in the playoffs. What say ye? I think he's been better. Um, I think it was interesting prior to the season, the narrative, oh, Kawhi Leonard's a top five player. And my point then was, are we sure Durant is number two? Mm. And now I'm now everyone's like, are we sure LeBron is still the best player in the league? Like he used to be able to carry whatever team he had to the playoffs and then carry them for deep playoff runs, even if it was a garbage team. And can't do that anymore doesn't really like playing defense anymore um and like the interesting narrative there's like pushback on Kawhi, like oh yeah the raptors are this great team they've done great without Kawhi, and maybe in the regular season that's true but if we look at these playoffs the raptors have been garbage aside from Kawhi leonard pretty much he is carrying us on his back he is just insane i think he's shooting like 50 percent from three. Oh my god it's true. It's 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 one of these things that, you know, as as Toronto Raptors fans, we've been seeing pretty much the same team, at least in my like adult life, you've been seeing the same team trotting out year after year. And, you know, the the core of that team being DeMar, Kyle, and JV. Um, they've added little pieces here and there, obviously Serge, PJ, CJ, all these Damari Carroll, all these players, this cast of characters that you would at the time, think, okay, this is going to be the missing piece that puts you over the edge. And then come playoff time, you have these high hopes, and you're inevitably smacked into the face with this realization that nothing is going to change. It's just the same old, same old, because we don't have that difference maker on this team. Despite what we wanted to think about DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, those improvements that they've made, the incremental improvements that they made during the regular season, they didn't quite carry over into the playoffs. We are witnessing for the first time in Raptors franchise history what it's like to have a superstar on the team. And I don't know that we've ever experienced a game changer 
like we're experiencing right now with Kawhi Leonard. I think that that's that's fair. Um, I think Vince Carter at his peak was a superstar, but not to this level. Right. I think he just did insane things and nobody else could do at the time. Like just on the highlight reel on sports center, just crazy dunks he used to do. So like in that sense, he became a superstar through that door. But uh, in terms of overall talent, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is definitely the best player the Raptors have ever had. Um, And I'm not shocked by this. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm not shocked either. But then, like, when it came to uh, in, the, in the summer, when, like, everyone's like, yeah, I don't really want to trade for him. I don't know if he's healthy. I don't <laughs> know what's with him. He couldn't He couldn't cut it in San Antonio. He couldn't get along in the best organization in basketball. And that's a red flag. We don't want him. He's going to leave in a year. It's like all these excuses as to why you don't want this great superstar and then the Raptors just swoop in and make a great trade because everyone's thinking like like putting reasons not to trade for him as opposed to just, okay, this guy's a fantastic talent. Maybe we should want him. Yeah, this, there is some revisionist history when it comes to that because the, the overall mentality at the time was super divided. Right. It, it was we want to a part of us or a portion of the fan base rather wanted to stay loyal to DeMar DeRozan because this is the first time or one of the first time that you had a franchise guy not wanting to leave the team nor the city. Like it was a, a, an effort by him to stay in Toronto. And I don't think we've ever seen a player get traded away from the Raptors that had such an emotional response so I think at that point, the, the keel was uneven. People were emotionally distraught over it, and I, I sort of understand. But when you see it put to practice, when you see the impact that Kawhi Leonard can have on a team, especially in a playoffs, in a tight playoff series nonetheless, it's going to open some people's eyes. Like, I, I didn't tweet this out. This is I don't really know who it was. I should have done the research. But... The, Kawhi's numbers in this playoff series are Michael Jordan-esque. Um, 38 points per game and 62% from the field. Michael Jordan averaged 35 points per game and 60% shooting on in one playoff series. Just one. And this is something that LeBron, KD, and Kobe have never done in their career. This is huge. I don't think people understand the gravity of the situation of having a guy with these types of numbers on your team, how much they can sway a series. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, for sure. I think another interesting point, though, to kind of throw a little water on is like the NBA has gotten a lot better, especially with shooting. For sure. Like we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had like a Steph Curry 20 years ago. It just wouldn't happen. Like it's just the emphasis on being able to shoot has gotten so high that I think it's just made like everyone better and made everyone more more focused on being efficient. Like we we weren't using analytics twenty years ago, no. and it's just like, oh yeah, this guy's just gonna take a ton of shots. Ooh, mid range that seems good, but like <laughs> I think th- things the times changing has definitely impacted. That, but yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Kawhi Leonard just because he—he's he, the best player in the league right now. Absolutely, like, it's crazy. Do you think there's an argument though to be made about Giannis being better? Um, regular season, you can make that case, yeah, for sure. Just because Kawhi was resting and Giannis was doing unbelievable things in the regular season. Probably is reg. I would say Giannis's regular season numbers were probably better, but I haven't, you know, gone back and looked at them. But in the playoffs, I feel like, you know, what, Giannis is like shooting like sixty five percent from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Like that's not like cr- a crazy liability, but it's bordering on like bad. Like it, it's it's a drawback in his game, and I I think. I think Kawhi has always probably been the better player than Giannis. It's just Kawhi just didn't feel the need to do it in the regular season and good on him for saving it, saving it to when the Raptors desperately need it. Yeah, I think that 
with with Kawhi Leonard going back to what I was saying about you know the perception of the fan base and whatnot, especially within this playoffs, we're so used to players taking a step back. Like we're so used to, oh, is playoff Lowry going to show up here and and choke? "Quote unquote," or is Demar Derozan not going to be? Is he going to get shook in the moment? We've never had a player, say for Vince Carter, that has like accelerated, but unlike Vince Carter, accelerated to such a high level. Like there is no player I can imagine right now that I would rather have the ball in his hand than Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs right now. And I think that's what you mean by saying like he's the best player in the NBA right now because he is scorching. Man, it seems like there's nothing he can't do. He's nailing threes from deep with a seven-footer in his face, mind you. Um, he's muscling his way through uh, the lane to get these these layups, and obviously the contact isn't called, but still he's not giving up, and he's his uh, mindset is just every other play, every other play. Um, he's still very unselfish with the ball. I mean, he's only averaging, what, four assists a game in the playoffs, but still, he is giving other players opportunities to score. He's not shying away from them. But in the moment, he does sort of take advantage of the ISO situations as well. So there's really nothing that I have seen that makes me hesitant or I can like pinpoint, say, mm, he's got to improve on that. And I haven't said that about a Toronto Raptors player in the playoffs in a very, very long time. Yeah, I'd agree. I think some people... Some idiots like Colin Coward going after Kawhi Leonard for his lack of <laughs> playmaking, which you mentioned is like, I don't know if it's three and a half, four assists a game in the playoffs. But that's not a lack of playmaking. Like, we've been missing a ton of shots. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Durant is averaging five assists a game in these playoffs. He's on the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Those guys are awesome he's playing with. It's so much easier for him to get assists on that team if Durant was on the Raptors, he'd probably average the same assist number that Kawhi Leonard has. So, yeah, people are po- want to point to that as like a negative on Kawhi. I, I don't see it. I think um, uh, he's been very good in all aspects. And even when there are like mistakes, like we saw in in the last game uh, when Simmons blocked him on that three point attempt, he gets the ball back, kicks yeah. it to Danny Green. Danny Green hits the three from the corner. Yep. Like, yep. what, what more do you want? A guy that's un, unwilling to give up on a play. Yeah. That it it's crazy. It's you, you make a good point where you say that, you know, the assist totals are down and it's not from a lack of passing. It's the lack of open shots that the other remaining Raptors aren't hitting. Like Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Marcus Hall, they're either passing it up after Kawhi passes it to them for the assist because they're too afraid, they're hot potatoing the ball, or their shots just not aren't falling. Imagine if the Raptors were shooting at their potential, how high, how much higher that assist total would be. Yeah, and I think I remember looking after the the Orlando series, um, I was looking at like points generated by assists, so like threes obviously impact more. Yeah. and Kawhi Kawhi was second in the team behind Lowry. Um, and I think everyone was like shocked when I post that they assumed it was like Gasol or something, but it's like, no, it, it's Kawhi. Like he's very much involved in everything the Raptors do. And he gets guys good shots because the defense is going to focus on him. In this last game, I saw several plays where Philly threw three bodies at him, three bodies. Yep. And we still like came away with points on those plays. It's like, how does this happen? It's unbelievable. Like I don't, I I don't want to keep saying I don't understand like how people cannot like this move because I think that is sort of over, right? I I haven't talked to or interacted with someone that at this point in the playoffs and in this point in the game has any regrets when it comes to the trade. And I think it's because as we've been saying, like you know, the totality of this is that you're seeing it in action. Right, and I, I don't know if that's because people were unfamiliar with just how good Kawhi Leonard was in the playoffs before his injury, or maybe it's because like it, especially if they are newcomers to the Raptors, he had only played nine games the previous series season rather, so he's they may not be familiar with you know visually what he's done, but this is a game changer, man, and this is like the type of player that you want because given how good the Sixers have shown themselves to be in this series. You need a guy that you can rely on to sort of carry the team. And obviously, as we've been mentioning, you want the other players on the team to sort of amp it up a bit. 
But the saving grace, the silver lining here is you still have Kawhi Leonard to will this team to win. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually don't think Philly's been great in this series. Really? I, uh, no. But uh, Jimmy Butler, aside from game one, has been great. But, like, I don't – like, their other guys, I feel like, just haven't raised their game. Like, I feel like Simmons, he's been kind of bad. Like, he's good at, like, hanging around, like, the weak side, getting those offensive rebounds and, like, getting putbacks and stuff. But, like – I feel like he doesn't help their offense, like, at all. Um, Embiid, uh, despite, everyone wants to say, like, despite him not scoring in the la- last game, he was terrific defensively. He had, like, two crazy blocks, I think, on Serge Ibaka. Yeah. That it just like looked like Serge Ibaka, like, got murdered. Like, it, it was just insane blocks. But, um, yeah, he's, I guess from the offensive perspective, like, he, he had that 130-plus game, and then, hasn't really been there in the other games. So it's like, I see that too. And then Tobias Harris, I think he was two of 13 from three in this last game. And he got a lot of open looks. Like we could have easily lost that game. If he made like, I don't know, three, four more, yeah. more shots. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting more worried now thinking about these things because I feel like Philly's like still not playing like close to their ceiling. We're just kind of playing bad and, but riding Kawhi and he's just carried us through. And I, I don't know. Like, uh, I think a lot of people look always when we lose, it's like, we're going to blame everyone. We're going right. to blame nurse. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to blame. Oh, I've actually seen people where it's like, Oh, we should not have made that trade. Like when really? we lose, I don't know why people, I've seen people go after Masai, like how, how dare he? We have no depth, and like I like when, when we win, it's like let's cre- let's credit everybody, let's credit Nick Nurse. Like I'm just like yeah, Nick Nurse, he was fine in that last game, but I don't I like he went big and played the players he did out of necessity because like those are the only guys that like we were getting anything out of. We were playing the the starting lineup plus Serge Ibaka. Like those are the only guys producing, so it's like okay. Um, and I thought his timeouts were actually better in that yes. last game because yes. he never let Philly go on a run. The thing is, though, is when it comes to Nurse, this is the biggest thing that I've noticed is that he's given the bench players, specifically uh, Fred VanVleet, Norm, and Serge, prior to this game. And I guess we can take Serge out of the equation because he did have a pretty good game uh, in game four, but he gave those two specifically a lot of rope and a lot of minutes, a lot more minutes than I felt comfortable with, whereas you compare it to this game, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, and Patrick McCaw totaled 16 minutes. Total. And so I feel like that is like a huge jump and a huge, like a much tighter leash from Nurse on the bench players that if they're not going to get it done, he's not going to allow them time to figure it out because I think he realized when game four that this is the definition of a must-win game. I don't know that the Raptors have ever faced that this season at all. And so to be faced with that for the first time in in the playoffs, I'm very happy with the adjustments that he made because I do think a lot of the blame in game two, specifically game three, had a lot to do with Nurse. Yes, the Raptors weren't hitting shots. There's no excusing that. And I do think that when you have players on the floor not performing, that is the highlight right there. You need them to perform. But I do think Nurse is partially to blame for the the adjustments that he failed to make or the substitutions that he failed to make or the substitutions that he did too early in those two losses. Yeah, I think think just playing your starters more minutes. I, I feel like that's just like a given, like Tom Thibodeau would do that. Like, even if he didn't need to, he'd be like Re- regular season game. Right. Okay, guys, 45 minutes. You guys are all playing that. Um, but <laughs> like, I feel like that's just the, intu- like we saw Jokic play 65 minutes in a quadruple overtime game. Yeah. Like he's not in great shape. And it's like, why can't why can't all our starters play forty two minutes a game? You 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 pull you pull them like with three minutes to go in the first quarter. You put the subs in then. You do the same in the third quarter because then you you get like the TV timeout between quarters. Um, 
and then you just play your starters the, the entire rest of the game. You get 42 minutes. I feel like that's that's like why why isn't everyone doing that? I, I don't understand because like our bench is just is useless. Like yeah. they're massively negatives. They're what's 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 holding us back right now. Um, I think our our starters did have one one really bad game. Was it game three? Or it was game, game three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're like that. You, I guess you can't expect them to be like amazing, like a hundred percent of the time. But like the bench has been bad, like a hundred percent of the time. So you want to minimize that. I feel like that's an obvious thing. The going big thing. I feel like it. It was a gamble. Also, like because I. It's. It's more focused on towards like a zone-ish defense because like Abaka and Gasol, you can't expect them to get out onto the perimeter and close out. But you know, when Philly isn't hitting their shots, it's gonna work. Right. And it worked. It was a gamble that worked. But I still think it was it, it, it's a risk. But there's like a lot of risks and trade offs. And Nurse chose that one. It paid off. But like, I'm still not confident. Um, in our offense, I think our defense, for the most part, has has been pretty pretty good throughout these playoffs. Pretty damn good. But offense, half the time, I don't know what we're running. It's like I'm playing 2K, and I have, like, the computer making the plays. And I don't know, like, <laughs> what the play is. I don't know where the ball should be going. And I feel like sometimes the players don't know that. It's like they don't know where the ball should be going. And... It's just like we're just gonna pass. We're just gonna, and it's like not like I don't see good passes. Like I like when the ball whips around the perimeter and then you, it gets to the corner, and that's just a great shot. But like it's like I don't know. Like the, like we've been passing, but they're not the kind of passes I, I like to see. It's like oh, we go we go inside in the mid range. We go inside, kick it back out. It's like it's like the passes aren't really accomplishing much. Yeah, we've turned down some good looks, but I don't know. I I feel like I don't. I just I don't like what the what the offense is running. Yeah, the flow is definitely it's being disruptive, and I I don't know if you picked up on this, but a huge benefit that the Raptor, well, a, a huge thing that they exploit, um, is is their transition like the when. Grabbing a defensive rebound, they try to find that deep outlet pass and push for a fast break. They look for that or have looked for that in the regular season often. It's been successful. Philly's transition defense has been pretty good. And when you see them eliminate a pretty big part of the Raptors' offense, specifically from Pascal Siakam, that's going to slow the game down. And I think that's where Philly has benefited on the defensive end against the Raptors is that they've slowed the pace down. So I, I do agree with you that they need to make these uh, the the passes, especially the ball movement. Man, the ball movement needs to come back because I do agree that those corner threes are clutch. But if you have the players like that typically take them, like Danny Green and Pascal Siakam, and they're not falling, you kind of can't rely on that throughout the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like in this, this last game where Siakam was just missing them, it's just because because he was hurt, like. Stop beating him the ball. Like if he, if he can't, if he can't, um, if he's having problems with the calf and can't stretch out and hit that. Um, just stop feeding him the ball. Like that, that didn't make sense to me early. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, it's the offense. What we have running, I don't think it's sustainable. Like we need Kawhi Leonard to be more than like, 35% of our offense. Um, and I think that's unrealistic. Like in game one of this series, 75% of our offense came from like Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. Like everyone was so happy and so, so pleased with how that game turned out, but you can't replicate that. Just like yeah. Kawhi is not going to shoot like 50% from three going for, for you can't expect that you can't expect him like to have 30 plus every game like he puts up like a 25 point game we're probably gonna lose now just because like where are we generating extra offense from and I, that that's where i'm really concerned is like how does this become sustainable what other guys are gonna step up for us 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Well, you did mention earlier that uh, you fear that Philly, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so what I understood is that Philly is sort of due for a breakout because they haven't been playing that well. A lot of the shots haven't been falling. I think that's around what you said. But don't you think the same may be true for Toronto? In other words, like we, we've seen that the vast majority of their shots from players not named Kawhi Leonard haven't been falling. Don't you think like they're going to somehow come into rhythm? And don't you have confidence that they'll find that groove and start hitting their shots? Well, I think with Danny Green, yeah. He's not a high-volume guy, but like throughout the playoffs, he's been down a bit. I forget. Was it, was it Game 3? Where he shot the ball well, but it didn't end up mattering. But he hasn't been quite himself in these playoffs. Um, not not even since Orlando. Yeah. So uh, so like I I feel good about about him getting turning it around and getting better and more back to what he was doing in the regular season. But I don't know. Other guys, it's interesting. And then the thing that's been bothering me, so on, on Bill Simmons, him and Joe House were, were talking about like how, how the Raptors suck aside from Kawhi Leonard, and I agree. And then they like shit on Pascal Siak, and they're like, yeah, he, he hasn't been the same as he was in the in the regular season. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> He's been better in the playoffs aside from this last game where he was hurt. Yeah. He's been much better in the playoffs. Well, minus game three. So like, game three, he was pretty well contained by Embiid. Uh, yeah, I think he, he shot poorly. But, yeah, but yeah, he's been really good in these playoffs. Yes. Um, but still, somehow, that's not enough. Like, we need another offensive source. We need that third source. Um, and maybe it's Gasol because he, he was able to score in this last game. And he's typically a guy that doesn't like to shoot, even though I think in the Orlando series, I remember looking, he was like amazing from like every zone. Like, like I think in the paint, he was great. Or, or no, I think it was restricted area, then mid range. Uh, and then above the break, like his zones, like where he was shooting the basketball, he was like insanely great. He was like shooting like 75%. Or, or something from those zones. Um, and then, like, he wasn't shooting well, I think, prior to this game in this series. But, like, he's getting looks, and he's getting looks from places he likes to shoot. He should be shooting more, I think. I think with Lowry, I don't know. I'm a little worried there. We saw in this game he established himself early in the first quarter, get got buckets. But then didn't really score much throughout the rest of the game, so I don't, I don't know. Like he's he'll have a twenty point game here and there, but I don't know if that that's now reliable from him. Yeah, but his his offensive game has changed dramatically uh, compared to previous seasons. And I know you want your all star point guard to put up more to average rather more than twelve and a half points a game, especially in this series. But I I think that when you know in a vacuum if Pascal's right and Kawhi that sort of mitigates Kyle Lowry's lack of offensive production and scoring um I do agree with you when it comes to Marcus Hall I think he's been a, a little bit gun shy and I was happy towards like the second half and onward uh from game four he was much more eager to take that shot especially the the above the break threes I want to see no corner threes from Gasol like for the rest of the playoffs period I don't care how it's drawn up if he's going to I'd rather just have him fake and try to you know dribble up and it, he doesn't even have to go all the way to the rim he can just you know take a little mid-range jumper at that point because he will make those but the you know corner threes that's just not his game and I think that's what the issue is that the Raptors are sort of square peg round holing a lot of these plays just to get a shot off and if it's not coming off the appropriate hand it kind of renders useless at that point yeah I'm pretty confident Marcus has not made a corner three for us this season. no not one I don't even know if he made one in Memphis I'm assuming he probably did but I don't he that wasn't his shot then then either um yeah, but going back to, to Lowry, it's like, yeah, I, I love his playmaking. I love his defense, 
but it's like it just feels like we're always lacking scoring that I don't I don't know why it always is that it's just like oh we need more points and a lot of people have been suggesting that Patrick McCaw get more minutes and if scoring wasn't an issue for us I'd be like okay but like I don't think we can play McCaw just because then we're playing a 4 on 5 offense and then I think it will handcuff our offense even more so I think it's we're in a weird spot where it's just like I I think Lowry has been fine, but like we need points, and yeah. it I I don't know what, what's happened. I don't know what's happened in these playoffs because in the regular season we were a great offensive team. Like scoring points was not an issue at all. I don't even think. It's like a, a depth thing. Like people making the argument, like, "Oh yeah, if we had Delon right, it would fix certain no, things." No, DeLon, he was a terrible shooter. Delon was, he was awful in a Raptors yeah. uniform this season. With when he was playing with the, he was playing with the bench, and he was just bad this season. He's hesitant. He doesn't like shooting. Like he, he would not have been the answer. And. I I I I really don't know. I think it's it's a structure of what we're running on offense that it's just like okay, put the ball in Kawhi's hands. He's got to do it, and uh, it, it's working because Kawhi's amazing. But he Kawhi, I think he's had one off game. Was it in the Orlando series where he didn't shoot the ball well? Because he, yeah, he had the flu. Yeah, I think he wasn't getting calls early when he was attacking, so then he like got timid and wasn't attacking as much. Um, but like, he's gonna have another off game at some point, and I fear for that day because that day we're gonna need everyone else to step up. It's not gonna be one guy filling his shoes. We're gonna need like four guys filling his shoes. When when it comes to Patrick McCaw, like you mentioned. I hope people aren't saying that Patrick McCaw needs to get more minutes or equal minutes to Kyle Lowry. I don't think that's a recipe for success at all. However, I don't know that I have an issue with him getting more minutes than Fred Van Vliet. In fact, I wouldn't be opposed to Nurse just sitting Fred Van Vliet and going with McCaw. So much so that, you know, four games against Philly, he's averaging one point per game. He scored four total points throughout this entire series. And he's averaging 17 and a half minutes a game. This can happen. Like, he's become so much of a liability on the floor. I don't know if there's an injury issue that we're unaware of. I don't know if he's just shook. Or maybe, like, the the most obvious answer is that the, the matchup is just bad because of the length Philly has. But he's just a liability on the floor, and I don't know that I can trust him when Kyle Lowry needs, you know, a rest. I'd rather at that point put McCall on the floor for the length because the sh- the scoring is probably going to be identical, if not just a little better, than what Fred Van Vliet is generating. And I sort of trust him more on the defensive end than Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, Patrick McCall is definitely a better defender than Fred this, this season. Fred has not been a good defender this season. I think last year he definitely was. This season, the analytics say he's not been good defensively. And if you look at Fred's numbers um, this season playing with the bench, they're not good. Like, mm-hmm. if, if I asked you, what is his field goal percentage playing with the bench this season? What would you say? Field goal. I, I would hope it was in the 30s, like maybe 35. Th- 38%. It's, okay. That's still not not good. Like, yeah. I think with starters, he, he was like shooting like, I don't know, 43% or something. Like, yeah, it's And bad. like... Yeah. His assist rate is better. Like every everything was bet. Like he was actually playing good with the starters this season. So like in the playoffs, when you're playing him with the bench, where you already know he's not good, you're you, you can't expect good results. Obviously, you couldn't have predicted the, the horrendous production that uh, or lack of production we've gotten out of you. You can't have predicted this, but like. When he's not playing well in the regular season on the bench, like what do you think's gonna what do you think's gonna change right. um, in the playoffs? Uh, I think the interesting thing in this last game, like Norman Powell barely barely played, and 
he's been good with the bench this season. Um, I think I think the regular season, Powell shot like forty percent from three. A lot of the good shooting came post All Star uh, break uh, after the trade, but that that was interesting. He, I guess you know, like if if we're matching up size wise, Powell doesn't work either because he. I think he's like six four. Um, that's kind of small for like a shooting guard, small forward. If you're going against a, bi- a big team like this, but. I thought that was interesting. He didn't get more minutes, and I don't think he's he's been great in the playoffs, but he's had the odd good game here and there. Um, I I feel like he's the, like the the one one guy we can kind of trust off the bench. Like like Abaka's had horrendous games off the bench where you can't trust him, but um, uh, when when Abaka's like playing more with stutters. It, kind of works i i don't know when abaka plays with kyle lowry i think that's when he's at his best so when you put him on the floor with the fred van vliet who doesn't really know how to um properly utilize a serge abaka things are going to get all fucked up but norman powell when it comes to it like his defense i i don't mind it like it norman powell's the one guy that in a perfect world like if the bench wasn't so shitty as it is right now I really wouldn't mind him playing because, like, even with the lack of offensive production, I do like his defense. So it sort of mitigates that. But I don't know. I, I think that Norman Powell maybe should get just a little bit more of an extended look, but I don't want it to be to the detriment of the team, like, especially against uh, a Philly team that you're right, he doesn't match up well against. So maybe this just isn't the proper matchup for him. Um, you look at previous seasons where, like, the Bucks couple years back in <clears throat> Indiana and Miami, he matched up better with those squads and, and, and they weren't nearly as long totally. So with this team, I, I just don't know that he matches up well against Philly. But, you know, bringing it back to Fred Van Vliet, I just don't know that he's playable. Like, you can't put someone on the floor that's averaging 8% from the field. That is awful. That is absolutely horrendous. I, I just don't know why Nurse seems to, like, force the issue with him because, quite frankly, with the offense, even if he goes with McCaw, it can't be any worse. It literally can't. Like, it, what is McCaw going to do? Shoot 9% from the field? Okay, that's still better than Fred Van Vliet right now. So, what is the issue? I, I just feel like this is a, a sense of the Casey-ism that was rubbed off on Nick Nurse, that you have to stay loyal to your guys, but... You have to play to win. You have to coach to win. And Fred Van Vliet isn't part of that recipe. Fred Van Vliet isn't part of that winning recipe to help the Raptors win. So why even put him on the floor at all? Yeah, I don't think we can play him off the bench, especially in this series. If Siakam wasn't going to play, I was suggesting starting Fred because I think then you turn those those horrible negative minutes into positive minutes because he's had a lot of success playing with starters this season. So yeah, I, I would have suggested that, but Siakam played and then it's like where you can't fit Fred in it. I agree with you that like you can't bring him off the bench. You can't, you can't make him the primary ball handler. It it just doesn't work. Um, I feel like he's good with Lowry. Like, like everyone we're talking about is like, Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're better with Lowry. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely see that. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to play Macaw too many minutes. Like I, I'm, I'm fine. Like he needs, if he needs to play like five, 10 minutes, fine. You, Cause you got it. You need subs, but like, I, I don't trust him. I, I would not trust our offense, uh, when, when he's on the court, but yeah, you hope that his defense kind of mitigates that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Look, when it comes to Fred Van Vliet, like I'm looking at these games, right? So game one against Philly, he played just over 23 and a half minutes. I get it. It was a blowout in Toronto's favor. Probably a lot of that was downtime. It didn't really matter. So I'm going to excuse that. But the, the close game, the lost game to 18 and a half minutes. Nope. The... 
terrible game where we got blown out about 21 minutes, just south of 21 minutes. Nope. And yesterday we had the the biggest win of the year played just over seven minutes. I feel like there's a reason. Like obviously this doesn't the the blame doesn't completely fall on his shoulders, not by any stretch. And I don't, I hope that's not what's being conveyed here. But at the same time. I, I just need to see less. And I, I think what you're saying is you need to see more starters. Like people were saying to me, like, you can't put out Kawhi Leonard the entire fourth quarter because then he's going to get tired. Really? Well, in game two with the Sixers won, Jimmy Butler played the entire fourth quarter and was ridiculously clutch. Didn't seem tired. Didn't seem shook. This is why you have superstars on your team. This is the reason to put them out there to win the game. And you, if you need to employ your starting unit or your main players for 38 to 42 minutes a game, well, God damn it, you have to do it. Because you cannot lose. The margin of error for these this series in particular is so small. And you're supposed to be prepping for Milwaukee, who presumably will go on to the Eastern Conference Finals over Boston. Are you going to employ the same strategy? Because if you do, you're fucked. You're not winning that series if you're playing Fred Van Vliet an average of 17 and a half minutes a game. You're not. So you have to play your starters more. You have to get them ready and get their body physically ready for 38 to 42 minutes a game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the problem has probably been that we have Kawhi Leonard closing the third quarter. It's like, why are you doing that? That's You You rest him there so then he could come in yes. the fourth quarter. Like, you, 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 you should be using the breaks between quarters. Those TV timeouts are valuable. Um, and Philly does, like, weird things where they, like, make subs, like, six minutes in the first quarter. I don't understand that. Why is Brett Brown doing that? That I don't see how that benefits them. But then they, they hit us like at the, the end of the, the first quarter when they start bringing their starters back in. And yep. it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't think what they're doing makes sense, makes sense. But like, I don't know. I guess it's like tricking the Raptors into doing like weird subs and stuff ourselves. Because like everyone's like obsessed with that Gasol has to be on the court uh, when Embiid is on the court. And... I'm not su- super concerned with mirroring those merits. I think it'd be good, but like in Game Three, I, th- I think there was a lot of mirroring those minutes. Um, and then Embiid got hot. He stretched out, and when a player stretches out, Gasol definitely can't guard that. I don't think Ibaka can guard that either. They don't have the mobility. The Raptors in those situations. They need to make a switch. They need Siakam coming out to the perimeter and closing out. Um, it's like it's like li- little things that scheme-wise need to be done. Like in such and such scenario, when this is happening, we need to do this. And it just seems like, I don't know, Nurse is like trying to win a chess match or something. But like, no, it's like just just be you and be smart do what works yeah yeah no i i agree um speaking of siakam i do want to touch on his injury um we assume that the bruise or the contusion rather or the same thing um was a result of him intentionally tripping Embiid in game three uh which landed him a a flagrant one as a result um he didn't look right, as we've been mentioning in Game 4. He didn't have the power in his legs, specifically with the corner threes. But, you know, he did give it a go, and he was in there for a, a decent chunk of the game. Um, given that he's been primarily the Raptors' number 2 scoring option, um, and given that today, Monday, that Nurse acknowledged that Siakam is not 100%, does this concern you moving forward? Or because it's not a structural thing, this is probably something that he can play through and without an issue or nearly as much of an issue as we saw in game four. I'm I, I wasn't concerned until you said anything there. But <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm not, I don't know. I just, I choose not to want to think about it because we need him. Uh, so I don't want to think about the other possibilities of him not being healthy, but, I feel like he looked all all right and kind of did his job defensively despite yes. not being able to hit shots. So, but he's the number two scoring know. option. That's why I'm kind of yeah. Concerned. That's a, that's a that's a problem if he's not hit if he's not hitting shots going forward. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like the the Raptors played played it up his injury. I feel like the like I feel like Woj got burned. The Raptors burned Woj. He said he, nah, said there, he was, was, there was definitely something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But saying he's doubtful and that's like yeah. Go from that to just starting. Um, like yeah, he, he could be uh, injured or whatever. Like Embiid has not been a hundred percent. There's not a peep before games. Philly doesn't say anything about that. It's only after the game. Like, oh, yeah, he didn't sleep. He was on an IV. And, <laughs> like, it's like, what? It's, yeah. like, it's, it's just weird. I feel, like, I feel like the Raptors, I don't know, put out information they didn't need to put, at, put out. Um, yeah, he's not 100%. He's not, he, he wasn't healthy in this last game, Siakam, but... I don't know. I'm I'm not worried. I I feel like you would have like seen him grimace or something like to get scared or something. I didn't I didn't see that. Like, and I don't feel like his minutes were really limited. He played a little less than he normally does, but like it wasn't like he was a decoy. Like we were feeding him the ball early when he could not yeah. shoot. Uh, like he was just out there. It's like, yep, we're doing this. We're not. We're not changing. Uh, how our starters play. Um, so I can't be concerned if the, if the Raptors didn't make didn't make adjustments like with, with their starters like that. Uh, so you're you're sort of right if you want to just split hairs when it comes to the minutes. He played twenty eight and a half, right? And and before that, including the Orlando uh, series, he was averaging thirty seven. Yeah. So like it it is quite a quite a dip. In comparison, and I think that had a lot to do with the Raptors going big, big with Surge going at the four anyway. I, I think that even with Pascal, like, even if this didn't hinder him as much as we saw the offensive hindrance that he had, um, they probably still would have went that route anyway with Surge. But I, I don't know. I do think that this may be just an issue. But the if if I made you concerned with that, the silver lining is that it's not structural, right? So you can't like exacerbate a bruise. Right, it, it, no matter how much you run on it, the bruise isn't going to get worse. Right, it's not maybe not heal quicker, but it's not going to get worse. You can't like make a bruise more bruised, right? Unless you hit it a bunch of times. So him running um, is not going to worsen the injury, but it's not going to heal it as quick as they probably would like to. And given that, like now the the series are tightening, where they have just a day off in between, this is where I get a little bit concerned because. The, you know, with the travel, the tra- after a game, you want to ice and heat it a bunch. Um, it, it, you got to get them ready and warm ups probably a little bit earlier than you normally would, just to make sure the calf and and the now that the hamstring is all good. Um, it's definitely affecting his uh, his cutting and his mobility just a little bit. Like I know yesterday, Kyle Lowry had a nice little alley oop pass to him, which was nice, but like you didn't see that explosiveness that Pascal Siakam usually displays. So I'm hoping that like with an off day and like time to prepare, like it's not an early afternoon game tomorrow. It's an eight o'clock game. So he might have a little extra time just to heat it up and get it ready to go. I think that might benefit him a little bit more, but this is certainly something that's on my mind. Yeah, you know, what's also on my mind is like <laughs> Kyle Lowry's, I think, playing with like a dislocated finger. He's got like tape on his fingers. I think Danny said he has also, but it's a, uh, he, he was kind of playing it off that his is minor, that Kyle's is worse. So it's like, yeah, guys are going to be playing through injuries. I think you get worried when they sit out um, and they look, look horrible. Like, okay, Siakam wasn't hitting shots. But he, I don't know, like, I still feel like defensively he, w- he was all right. Um, and I think, like, also, he would not have been, like, if he was legitimately really hurt and we were just sending him out there as a decoy, we wouldn't be playing him late out of position at small forward. That's true. I feel feel like like you don't t- you don't make that gamble. Like, that, that was pretty crazy uh, that we did that. But um, I feel like you, you, get, you, you trust your guy and that you trust that like, even if he's not a hundred percent, he can still do something. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not really concerned about his injury. I hope I'm not wrong because that would suck. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super concerned. Um, but the, the the Philly MB thing is this. I don't know. That's more crazy to me because it just feels like they always throw in their excuses afterwards, and it's 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 weird. Well, in fairness, there was there were reports prior to the game yesterday about Embiid's availability. Um, they they mentioned that he wasn't out during warmups. He wasn't out for the anthems. He was out and back. So there was a legit, maybe not on paper, questionable tag for him. But there was conversation about whether or not he was going to play. Um, I want to say the same was true for game one um, regarding his health and um, or his, how he felt physically in terms of being sick. But look, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's very uh, convenient for the Sixers after a game to be like, oh, he's battling an upper respiratory system thing. To me, that's pretty much just saying Embiid has allergies right now and he's battling them throughout the game. Um, I, I Look, he, from what I saw from Embiid yesterday, there wasn't that, <clears throat> that emotional response from the crowd, but he didn't play terribly. I didn't notice him being a complete dud out there, so I think maybe partially it is sort of damage control by the Sixers for sure. He was great defensively. Yeah. Like I forget looking at it one point in the game, like even though he didn't score a ton, he was like plus twenty or something. Like Philly really fell apart when like Greg Monroe came in. What a surprise. All right. So <laughs> with that, um, let's move on to game five now that I've uh sort of planted that seed in your mind about Pascal. Um, I don't know what you had this series predicted at. I don't know if you were part of the five-game hive about the Raptors taking it. I certainly wasn't. I was going to say six. Um, them coming back to Toronto with momentum on their size, the series is knotted at two. I think there's a good possibility that Philly is going to come out swinging and out for blood. Um, but if the Raptors are able to set the tone physically and, you know, with that, the fast pace offense that they tried to uh, initiate yesterday in the first quarter and somewhat successful at it, I think they got a good shot of winning this tomorrow. What say ye? Yeah, so I had the Raptors in seven coming into this series. People were like, what, you don't believe in the Raptors? I always get that. Um, but. I don't know. Things haven't gone how I expected at all. So I don't feel, I don't, even if it goes seven and we win, I don't feel like I'm right because mm -hmm. this series has been like wonky. I think what, what scares me is like, yeah, you're right. The Raptors have to come out strong because I feel like if we fall behind double digits, we're, we're not going to win this game. Like in the regular season, so many times we fall behind double digits, third quarter, no problem. Right. We're right. We're, we we have this game now. Monster third quarter. Let's go. This isn't the regular season. This isn't right. like shit tier competition. This is a decent team we're playing here in Philly. Like <laughs> we're we're at home. Like we should win, but we got to come out strong. Like Kyle Lowry needs to. I feel like get his points early again. Um, just be aggressive and. I feel like that pumps us up a little bit. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think we can win. I think we should win. But we got to come out strong early and not look back because I feel like Philly goes on one of their runs and we have like a late timeout or something and just, you, just, we can't recover. It's just like how do we make this? Like we're trying to make up for offense, like 20 minutes prior in the game. It just like, we're not going to get it. We have to do it like in the moment, be there. What I've noticed from this Toronto Raptors team thus far in this playoff series and somewhat yesterday, they did a good job calming it down. But for the majority of this playoff series, um, they've been bullied. Really. They have been bullied and the, the 76ers have been, implementing a physicality or a physical offense and defense that is working in their favor. They're setting a tone early. Um, I mentioned on the previous show that it's easy to uh, set that tone and not be, you know, susceptible to these ticky-tack calls because like the Orlando game in game one, they, they set that tone early. So when you, when you have the refs, you know, with this mentality from the jump, I think that lays the table for how the, the game is going to go for both teams. 
I think the Raptors would benefit to play the bully in this game. They really have to. They have to come out, like much like game one. Like, remember when J.J. Redick was bitching about getting punched in the face and, and whatnot? Like, Kyle Lowry got slapped in the face yesterday by J.J. Redick. There was no retaliation. The game before that, he got an elbow to the balls by Simmons. No retaliation. I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised Kyle Lowry didn't do anything because that's very unlike him. So I really would like to see them set the tone. Like, you're coming, you're having the 76ers coming into your house. You have to own that. You have to establish that this is your place of business. And if you have to get a little bit of physical, a little physical in that aspect, go for it. I don't care. Have surge, throw hands. That seems to wake up the team and push them forward if the the Bulls game from a couple years back is any indication. But still, I, I do think the Raptors would benefit just being a little bit more physical during these playoff games. Yeah, and I, I think Kawhi like, benefits from that. We've seen like a more of a finesse game lately yeah. that just hitting shots, but like he can go through people and like he, I feel like he's unguardable. Like, like there's two guys in front of him and he's just going to power through. Like he can draw that foul if needed. He can make the shot if they back down. Like he's a guy that can, that can deliver physicality for us. The other players have to follow suit. They have yeah. to. I guess it's more of a mental thing than anything that like, like with Jimmy Butler, like him elevating his game. I think that's a mental thing that I'm uh, cause like going into the series, I'm like, he's either going to quit on this team and know he's gone or he's going to turn it on and just go to work. He's been um, outstanding. It, yeah. He struggled in game one, but since then he's been uh, like unbelievable. Um, He's got that mentality, and it's just like, just the not quit. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard has that, obviously, as mentioned earlier. Just play through. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just take the hits, deliver the hits. Just keep battling. And um, the, the Raptors like can't hold their heads. Like the, they, if they make a sub and we we go down, we go minus five in like five minutes or something. They can't hold their heads coming back into the game. Uh, when we bring the stars back, and they just have to go and just keep attacking. Well, with that, I think they're going to take Toronto. Uh, Toronto will take the game at home. I think you're saying the same thing, but if I'm reading you correctly, they'll probably drop game six in Philly. I don't know. I'm worried because just in the back of my mind, I'm just like, Okay, game seven. Somehow the ball's going to end up in Lowry's hands. The game is going to be on the line. He's, he's going to get blocked or something. And that you're getting deja And then vu. Paul Pierce will be like, "No, nope, my block was better." <laughs> uh, with the Nets, my my block was better than that. That Ben Simmons block that won won the game for Philly. Uh, so like, I I have that worry circulating in my mind. Uh, it's not real. It's it's a delusion. But. Uh, um, yeah, I think, I think, I, I feel like Philly, Philly could fall apart. Like, I just, I just feel like, like if Embiid, like, I feel like if he checks out mentally, like he's this guy that's, that like just swing, his mood swings, I feel like. And if he yeah. just checks out, I think we could just step on their throats and potentially win in game six. But like, if he, he if he bounces back and has a monster, could have a monster thirty-plus point game again, and then it goes to a game seven. But I don't think the Raptors can be like, oh, we have two game, two of the next three at home. You know, just win the home games. I don't think you can think like that. I think you just have to think like we have to win these next two games and put them away. Yeah. I think that that has to be the mentality right now. Yeah, they have to have the same mindset that they did coming into this game, that it's a must-win. Because you can't... I don't want to go down 3-2 going back to Philly. I don't want that at all. Like If if they if Toronto ends up winning tomorrow's game and are up 3-2, and then consequently, or I, I guess inevitably, they end up dropping game six to Philly, it, the series is still knotted. You still have that insurance. You still have that cushion. Um, I don't know if it may be a matter of the Raptors play better with their backs against the wall. I'm not really 
sure about that? I think I think Lowry definitely does. Okay, so do you... for whatever whatever reason he 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 does when it's on the line he shows up, but like when it's not a must win, like he's a little relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they come out with that mentality tomorrow. Um, you definitely want to play big in front of your home crowd, and um, <clears throat> then if it's if it's the Bucks, man. Oof. It's not going to get any easier. That's why I want them to establish and to get familiarized with this physicality because I think that would benefit them against the Bucs. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, that's going to do it here. You know the deal, man. Promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter. Go for it. Floor is yours. So today is May 6th. I just want to wish Jonas Valanciunas a happy birthday. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> Uh, you can find Jordan's Twitter in the description of the show as well as his uh, podcast link and his work. Jordan, it was been a pleasure. Thanks for hopping on, and I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.